Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. When Huntington and Midland, they, 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 they square up against each other every year in football and in basketball, one of the things that makes it a rivalry is the schools are pretty much right next to each other, same county, right? So that's what makes it, that's what makes it, we're still like throwing smoke up here, Johnny. Johnny's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, so, Ethan, could you go give him a hand? Thank you. Um, so, what, what happens when Huntington High and Midland line up? You hear all kinds of rumors, right? Every, every, I, I've gone to this game for how many years? Every time I always hear students saying, man, I heard there's going to be a fight. I heard there's going to be this big fight happening. I, the, the big fight never seems to happen, but everybody's always talking about there's going to be a big fight happening because the schools are, are opposed to each other. Um, the schools are opposed to each other. What happens when people who are followers, what happens when people who are followers of Jesus live in a world that is opposed to Jesus? What happens to those followers of Jesus? They receive opposition because of who they follow. Uh, I know not everybody's able to get to the questions that we usually ask during TAG. Um, and, and I don't know if your TAG got to this question, but one of the questions was, have you ever experienced opposition because you are a follower of Jesus? And I don't know how many, you don't, don't raise your hand, but I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you were looked down on maybe because you're a Christian or you were told that maybe your views were, were ignorant and it, or intolerant because you were a Christian, that there was something maybe in a, in a, in a collegium or, a, or a, a choir performance or something, a song that you had to play that you didn't agree with and you were looked at as like kind of like a prude or, or closed-minded. Um, yeah, the, the truth is, there's always been opposition to people who follow Jesus. Um, it's more intense in certain parts of the world and it's been more intense at different times in history. But you may not know this, but there, there, there were thousands and thousands of Christians last year in 2023 who were put to death for the sole reason that they were Christians happened in different parts of the world, happens a lot in India, um, it's, it's happened before in China, it's happened in some Middle Eastern countries where the cost of following Jesus literally cost these people their lives. Now some Christians played up too much. Some Christians think that every time something happens to them or somebody's mean to them, it's because they're a Christian. They get that like God's not dead martyr complex. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like they think everybody's out to get them and they get a little dramatic about it. But then on the other side, some people pretend like it doesn't exist. And they think everybody loves them. But the truth is, if you're a Christian and you're living for Jesus, you're going to face some opposition. Do you feel it? Do you ever feel it in the, the hallways of your school? Or um, do you ever feel it in the classroom? You ever feel it on a Friday night or a Saturday when you're with some people and they want to do something that you know you really shouldn't do? Tonight we're going to look at a really difficult passage of scripture. We're in this series called Abide. And we've been working through John 13 through 17. We're going to be, you remember we missed a week in January? We're going to be catching that week up. We're going to get back on track in two weeks. Uh, we're doing a, I don't know how this is going to go. We've never done this before, a double refuel week. Uh, so, so some people are a little excited about it. Um, but it's, it's not going to be like we have this 
two nights in a row, but on Tuesday night, we're going to have like a more low-key Bible study to catch back up in this passage. And we're calling it, tonight we're going to catch up. So we're going to serve everything that you could ever imagine that you can dip in ketchup for catch-up night. And we're just going to, we're going to dig into to, to God's Word together. Um, that's on March 12th, and then we're going to have refuel then on March 13th, that Wednesday night. Um, so we've been going through this series called Abide, and if you've been following us, you know that it started in this upper room where Jesus was with his disciples, and they were eating the Passover meal. They thought it was going to be this great night. And it starts off real awkwardly. Jesus starts washing their feet. Then he tells them three things that really like freak them out. The first thing he tells them is, hey, um, one of y'all is going to betray me. The second thing he tells them is, hey, Peter's going to deny me. The third thing he tells them is, I'm going somewhere and you're not allowed to go with me. So in chapter 14 of John, he's like comforting in them and saying, where I'm going, one day I'm going to come back and I'll get you so that you can be where I am. And in the meantime, I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit to be with you. And last week we were in John chapter 15 and Jesus talked about how important it was that we were connected to him. He talked about, we talked about how, remember we got into all this viticulture where we got into all this, like grapes and vines and wine and all this stuff. And what we realized, Jesus is the vine and the more we're connected to him, the more fruitful we are spiritually. Um, And tonight we're going to be in John chapter 15 starting in verse 18 and the big, like the big skinny for this, this session tonight is this, that when I abide in Jesus, this is something that you can remember, when I abide in Jesus, when you abide in Jesus, when I abide in Jesus, I'm never alone. When we're talking about opposition, people who are against us because we're following Jesus, remember that you're never alone. So let's turn to John chapter 15, verse 18. Um, and as we're turning there, let's, at, let's answer these questions. You're going to become a John expert by the time this series is over. Who wrote the book of John? What's so special about the guy? He was Jesus' ride or die. He was Jesus' best friend. How is John different than the other three historical accounts of Jesus' life? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Y'all are usually on this. <laughs> What's so different? What's that? It was different. Um, it's written from a different perspective. The first three are called the synoptic gospel, seen from the same perspective. John, where he was close to Jesus, has an all has a has an interesting perspective, a new way to look at Jesus. And what's the cheat code to John? I've got it on the screen, right? Uh, all these things that Jesus said and did were written down, uh, John 20, 31, written down so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing, by trusting in Jesus, you'll have eternal life. You'll have life in his name. So John chapter 15, we're gonna read verses 18 through chapter six, verse four. It's all kind of like one section. So let's read it. Now, where did Jesus leave it? Where did we leave off what Jesus said in verse 17? He said, this is my commandment. He restates it. Love one another. Love one another. Look at the person next to you. Say, love one another. That's where we're... Don't say it in a creepy way. This is not a time to pick up girls, guys. Um, That's the jumping off point for verse 18. So here we go. Everybody in. If you have your Bible, open your Bible to John 15. If you don't, um, pull it up on your phone or look on the screen behind me. Let's all dig into God's Word together. Then we're going to pray and then we're going to look at it and then we're going to study it. John 15 verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. 
Actually, we haven't done this for a little while. Let's, stay, let's all stand as we're reading God's Word so that we can be dialed in. And sometimes it's easy just to read and forget that this is the God-breathed Word of God. So let's, let's read this together, and then, we will, uh, then we're going to pray, and then you can be seated. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as, as its own. But you are not, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You notice all the time it says hate, 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 hate. Remember the words I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they keep, kept my word, they'll keep yours. But all these things they'll do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but because uh, they have, but now they have, I'm fumbling, sorry, but now they have no excuse for sin. Whoever hates me, there's that word again, hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and the Father. But the, the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But, it's one of those big buts of the Bible. But when the helper comes, who I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, there's the Holy Spirit again, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They'll put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. That's what's continuing to happen around the world. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Let's pray together. God, we read your word and uh, it's, it's a heavy part of your, your, your word. It's, it, these, are, these are heavy words that you've said. Uh, but God, I believe that in these words are, are, are messages to, to, to the two kinds of people that are in this room tonight. Lord, I believe that in your word tonight, there is a message to those who are lost. There's a message to those who need to trust in Jesus as their Savior. And I believe, Lord, there's also a message in here, in your word, for those of us who were saved, those of us who have trusted in you. So God, I pray that as we study your word tonight, that you'll save the lost and that you'll send the saved to the lost to tell them about you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a seat. Um, so we're talking about opposition. We're talking about the way the, uh, the world uh, opposes Christians. And if you, if you look at this section here, uh, we've got some highlighters in here. You've got some people that like to, like to underline. If you do, you may want to underline some of these things. Jesus expects us to respond to opposition in three different ways. First, Jesus wanted to know that opposition was going to happen. That's the, that's the number one, that's the first thing he wants us to do when it, when, it, when it comes to being opposed, having people against you because you're Christian. He wants you to know that it's going to happen. He also wants you that when you feel that opposition, that you don't fall away. Have you ever been in a situation where it would be so much easier to pretend like you're not a Christian? <laughs> it would be so much easier to just like put your faith on a shelf for one weekend. 
Jesus wants you to be prepared so that you won't fall away, that you won't stop following him. He also wants you to remember these things that he said. He says, I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you. He doesn't want us to be surprised when opposition comes. So when we talk about opposition, where does this opposition come from? Come from? According to God's word here, it says that opposition comes from the world. Now, what does that mean, like the world? Um, you know, when I think of the world, I think of a globe. You know, I think of like this little dust ball that spins around that we're, that we're, that we're on and, you know, how beautiful the world is. But also, like, like um, it wasn't very fun to be out in the world today because it, you, you felt like a duck or a frog because it was raining so much. Um, so the Bible can sometimes use um, terms to describe the physical world. Uh, we read about that in, in the book of John, verse 1, uh, or chapter 1, verse 10. It says that God created the world. Um, it can also mean the world of humanity. God so loved the world. Does that mean that God loves trees? Is God a tree hugger? Is God like Mr. Earth? I mean, he created it, so I guess he is. But like, like when it says God so loved the world, did he think, man, I just absolutely love Lake Superior so much that I'll send Jesus. When he's talking about the world, he's talking about the humans of the world, right? He's talking about people. So the world can describe like the physical created world in the Bible. It can also describe the people that God loves, but it, there's a third. There's a third use, and we see it in John chapter two, verse or First John chapter two, verses fifteen through seventeen. And it can mean like the 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 like the realm of society. It can mean like culture. It can mean like the system of the world. So when you think about that, you think about the music that comes out, and you think about what people are saying like on TV and on TikTok, and, and if you're crazy enough to get on Twitter, the things that people put on Twitter, this, this, this system of the way of living that's apart from God is also described as the world. And we're given two warnings about the world in the Bible. The first we find in Romans chapter 12, verse one through two, that was D now two, two years ago, not to be conformed to the pattern of the world. We're supposed to go against it, right? We're supposed to be different. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Don't let everybody else determine what you're gonna do. Let Jesus determine what you're gonna do. But we're also told not to love the world. First John chapter two, verse 15 through 17 says, don't love the world or anything in the world. All that's in the world are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So here's how the, the culture, the world operates. Three, three sayings that most people that aren't followers of Jesus would agree with. Lust of the flesh, if it feels good, do it. Lust of the eyes, if it looks good, get it. The pride of life, make yourself the main character of your story. That's the system of the world, but that's not the Jesus way. We're not supposed to be conformed to that. So what are we supposed to do? If we're living for Jesus and everybody else is living a different way and they don't always like what we're doing, what are we supposed to remember? What are we supposed to, what's our mindset supposed to be if we're facing opposition? I've got four things that we need to remember when we're facing opposition. And then we're going to end with seven F words tonight. So we're really... We're, we're, we're really bringing the F words tonight. But you need to remember four things about facing opposition. And the first is that I lost my slide. I literally just deleted it. So you're going to have to just know this, okay? Write it down. I'm going to write it right here. 
Number one, you're not normal. Did any of y'all realize that yet? Look to the person next to you and just shake your head and say, you're not normal. <laughs> How many of y'all will admit I'm not normal? Right? But here, here's the thing that is, is so, so strange about sometimes being in high school, about being in middle school, and even as you get older, is that everybody wants to be noticed, but nobody wants to be weird. Nobody wants to be looked at as, as, as weird. But you're not normal. You're not normal. Why? Look at God's word. It tells you that you are not normal. I'm going to change my color up real quick here and I want to show you. It says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. That, that construction in like the, the, the Greek, that as John's writing Jesus' words down, that of the word, this is probably not going to mean much to you, but it's written in the genitive of the Greek, which means that, that when it says of the world, it means that the world is your source and that the world is your identity. What he's saying is you don't belong to the world anymore because you've been saved, you've been trusted in Jesus. What happens when you're saved? Jesus told, um, what's that dude's name? You ever have a brain fart? Jesus told that dude that I brain farted on in John chapter 3 that you have to be born, somebody say it back here, Nicodemus, thank you. You have to be born again. Does that mean your mom has to like somehow like birth you again? I was trying not to say it. What does that mean? It means that you're spiritually reborn. So you're no, no longer of the world. You're of God the Father. God is your spiritual heavenly Father. Has anybody ever been told, you look just like your father? Has anybody ever been told, you look just like your mother? Here's why Christians, one of the first reasons Christians face opposition is because they've been spiritually reborn and you spiritually look like your father. And what's the general consensus about God and the world? We don't like, I'm speaking for the world here, we don't like him. So when there's somebody that's walking around saying things that God would say and doing things that God would do, how are people going to react to that? They may be opposed to that. So we've been born again. It has to do with our heavenly father. It's also an identity thing. It says the world would love you as its own. But guess what? They don't own you. You're owned by God. So you're not normal. Somehow we think that if Christians could just, like, there's a, sometimes I run into people say, man, if, if, if Christians could just be a little bit better at PR, 
You know what I mean? Like public relations. If Christians could just stop being, now there are some weird Christians out there. Anybody know a weird Christian? And I mean, they're, they're, they're not weird because they're following Jesus. They're just flat weird, right? <laughs> like they don't wear deodorant, like they're weird. Okay, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. But there's this idea that, oh, if, if Christians could just, could just blend in with society more, maybe more people would come to Jesus. Well, that's not what the Bible says. They don't own you. You're not one of them. You're not normal. You've been what? Chosen out of the world. That means that God had a plan. That the, in the moments you said yes to Jesus, the moment you trusted Jesus, God's plan started working in your life to make you more like Jesus. So you're not normal. I have a slide for the next one. You're not greater than Jesus. That's another thing you need to remember when you're facing opposition. Now, that may sound strange. Like, duh, I mean, I, I know that I'm not greater than Jesus. Like, I've never been able to raise a dead person from the, you know, a person from the, the grave. Like, I've never been able to multiply food. Would be a really handy thing to be able to do. I know I'm not greater than Jesus. But Jesus reminds us here. Let me change my color up. Let's do light blue for North Carolina. Um, he says, a servant, he said, first he says, remember the word I said to you? That was in John 13, 16. When Jesus was, you know, washing the feet. And Jesus said, hey, a servant isn't greater than his master. If I washed your feet, you should wash others' feet. Meaning, if I'm willing to serve, you should be willing to serve. And here Jesus is saying, a servant is not greater than his master. He's saying it again. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. How was Jesus treated when he was on earth? Well, John wrote this down in, in, in John 1. He says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Following Jesus means you're connected to the vine. Following Jesus means you have miracle power like we sang and God is doing great things in your life. Following Jesus also means that you're following Jesus to a place where he said to the crowds, eat my flesh and drink my blood and the crowds deserted him. Following Jesus means you're going to follow him into a place where he was unjustly accused, tried, and convicted. Following Jesus can mean, could mean, it does mean this in some parts of the world, that you're following Jesus to a cross where you lay down your life for him. You're not greater than Jesus. You know what I call this problem though? The, the, the fact that we don't, we don't get this, we forget this. I call it golden retriever Christianity. <clears throat> this is a picture of my dog. Um, this is Rocky. And uh, yeah, he, he deserves every all you could ever give him. He's the best. He's the goodest dog ever. Um, and interesting factoid, um, Ben and I now are related somehow because Ben's dog is my dog's mom. So I don't know what that makes us. Like somehow we're related. Um, but um, so this is Rocky. And here's, here, you know what Rocky does when somebody walks in the door? He goes up to him, usually with a toy in his mouth. And he shakes his tail so ferociously that his, his whole backside, it's like, he, you know, his whole backside is just shaking. And he's going, <laughs> some of you are like trying to wash your eyes out now. Here's the, he, he thinks everybody wants to play with him. He thinks everybody is obsessed with him. He thinks, why would somebody not love me? I'm Rocky and I'm a golden retriever. Everybody loves me. And we get this golden retriever Christianity mentality in our minds sometimes when we're thinking, I'm a Christian. Everybody's gonna love me. 
But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if they hated me, there may be a time when they hate you. And we have to remember, we're not greater than Jesus. If Jesus experienced it, we're going to experience it too. The next thing we need to remember, and this is for those of us who are believers in Jesus, those of us who are Christians, and for those, for those of you who have not trusted in Jesus as your Savior, it, it's true for, bo- for both groups, you're not off the hook. Believers aren't off the hook for loving people who are far from God. You see, when sometimes Christians will read a passage like this and they'll think, ha, okay, the world, these people are my enemy. These people who are opposing me, yeah, and, and they start naming it off. Okay, you know, the, 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 the LGBT community is my enemy and, the, and, the, and, 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 and every rap song, yeah, musician ever is my enemy and, and uh, you know, Democrats are my enemy or I don't know, whatever, you know. <laughs> And, and, and Christians take this when Jesus says, hey, the world's going to hate you. And they become militant and they become looking like for a fight when they experience opposition. But what does Jesus say? You know, when you read a passage in the, in the Bible, you should also see what has Jesus said about this in other places. So what did Jesus say about people who are opposed to us? Well, in Matthew chapter uh, 5, verse, um, I got it right here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 45, Jesus said this. Love, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be what? Sons of your father who's in heaven. So that you may look like your spiritual dad if you love those who oppose you. So we're supposed to love them. First Peter chapter 2 says this, what credit is it if you sin and are, be- and are beaten for it you endure, but if when you do good and suffer for it you endure, this is gracious thing in the sight of God. What he's saying here is some of y'all deserve people hating on you because you're jerks. They're not hating you because you're a Christian. They're hating you because you're a jerk. <laughs> and that's what Peter's saying. We're not off the hook from loving people just because they're opposed to the way that we're living and just because they're opposed to Jesus. Oh, I was supposed to go to the next slide. Sorry about that. There's the passage there. And 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The people who are opposed to Christians are people who God has us here to reach because he wants them to come to Jesus. So as Christians, we have to remember, we're not off the hook for loving those who are far from God. There's another side of this coin though. If you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you're still not off the hook for your sin problem. Look what this passage says. It says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have been guilty of sin, but now... They have no excuse for their sin. What Jesus is saying is, people have always known there's a God and that they have a responsibility toward him. Romans 1 talks about that. You can go find 
virtually remote tribes around the world and they are worshiping a God. They know there's a superior being and they know they have a responsibility to him and they know in their hearts there's morality, like there, there's, there's a way that you're supposed to live, but God sent his word. God gave us the, the Old Testament. He gave us a law to show us um, some of his morality, but then Jesus came. If we ever had to wonder what God's holiness looked like, we could look and read about what Jesus did and the people who were alive during Jesus his time and got to see him and hear him and touch him and listen to him, they got to see the perfect holiness of God. It reminds me of something that happened in, in, in my life. I've been pulled over several times in my life, especially when I was younger. It happens. Um, I got pulled over in Ohio and to, I'll be honest, I had no idea what the speed limit was. As you get older and as you're driving, sometimes you realize like, hey, I don't know what the speed limit is. So I was just driving. I didn't, give, I didn't care. So I get pulled over and he goes, rip, 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 rip. And this, this, this police officer gets out. And I'm always, I always try to be very respectful, very. And he says, sir, do you know what the speed limit is? And I said, well, sir, honestly, I don't. I said, I haven't seen a speed limit sign since I've been on this road. And he just like bursts out laughing. Then he cusses a little. Then he laughs a little more. And then he cusses a little more. Then he laughs a little more. And then he says, why don't you lift your bleepity bleep eyes up and look right there? And he had pulled me over right underneath a speed limit sign. Now the truth is, I was responsible for knowing what the speed limit was, whether there was a sign right in front of me or not, Right? That's the law. But what made it so much worse and gave me zero case and made it so obvious was that I was pulled over, if I remember correctly, for going 70 miles an hour and I was pulled over right underneath a 55 mile an hour sign. And what Jesus is saying here is that rejecting God is wrong no matter what. But it's so much more obvious that you're rejecting God when God is looking at you face to face, which is what Jesus was doing. There's no excuse. That word for excuse means like cover or cloak or way to hide. And what Jesus is saying here is, you know the truth. I've spoken the truth. And you're responsible. Will you turn in faith? And trust me, or you, will you reject me and remain guilty of your sin? What's so incredible is that after Jesus said this, he was led to a cross where the sin that we're talking about was nailed to the cross with him. And when he died and said, it is finished, he meant it is finished, that he paid the penalty for the sins of the world, 1 John 2, 2. And that anyone who trusts in him can be forgiven of their sin. So we have to remember, believers, you're not off the hook for being loving toward those who are far from God. And those of you who haven't trusted in Jesus yet, you have to remember, you're not off the hook for your sin. The only way to be forgiven of your sin is to trust in Jesus and receive eternal life. The final you're not is you're not alone. The end of this passage is so, just so incredible. Uh, Jesus says this. He says, when, let me change my color one more time. He says, when the helper comes, who's the helper? 
That's the Holy Spirit. We learned that earlier in this passage. When the helper comes, whom I'll send to you, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He'll speak to you and help you remember what I called you to live, the life I called you to live, how to live the Jesus life, and you also will bear witness about me because you've been with me from the beginning. So he says the Holy Spirit will teach you, in your heart teach you, and he'll help you to teach others, even those who are opposed from you. What's so incredible about this is that this happened. We can read um, in Luke chapter 12, uh, Jesus said this um, to, his, to his followers. Um, he said, when they bring you before the synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not be anxious for how you should defend yourself for the Holy Spirit, I've got it right here, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you should say. Jesus says, you're gonna be put on the spot one day. They're gonna drag you in front of a courtroom and put a finger in your face and say, do you believe in Jesus? And he says, and my Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say to help you respond. Have you ever been in a situation where you know you, you knew you needed to speak up for God or you knew you needed to share with somebody what God had been doing in your life and you're like, there's no way. <laughs> I can barely put a sentence together when I'm talking to my dog. Like, how am I supposed to share the gospel with someone else? But God gave you the words? That's what he's promising here. You can see that it happened in Acts chapter four. They, um, the disciples were put in jail for preaching the gospel. Through a miracle, they were released and it says they prayed for boldness. And then in Acts 4.31, it says when they prayed, the place in which they're gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. In the face of opposition, the Holy Spirit will give you the words and he'll give you the boldness to speak the truth even when you feel like you're being piled on. There's a man who was a preacher, he's a, he's a pastor in, while um, Hitler was reigning in Nazi Germany. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was ultimately put to death because he stood up to the terrible things that Adolf Hitler was doing. But this is what he said. He said, those who are afraid of men have no fear of God. And those who have fear of God have ceased to be afraid of men. Which category are you in? So you're not alone. And not only are you not alone because the Holy Spirit is with you, you're not alone because you have your brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the things that is kind of difficult in the English language is when you see the word you, um, it's hard to tell exactly what that you means. When Jesus says, I've said these things to keep you from falling away, they'll put you out of the synagogues, um, an hour's coming when those who kill you will think they're offering service to God. I've said these things to you. When the hour comes, you may remember all the things I've told you. That was written in the plural. So I think they need to come up with a Southern Bible because it'd be a lot easier to understand those plural use. Let, let me read verse four in the Matt McClay Southern translation. That's a scary thought, but let's just do one verse. I've said these things to y'all so that when the hour comes, y'all may remember that I've told them to y'all. 
Jesus was speaking to a group of people who would stick together as they faced opposition. And isn't that one of the reasons we have refuel on Wednesday night? Is because some of you, you go to a home that's more aligned with the world than it is to God. Or some of you go to a school that's more aligned with the world than it is to God. Some of you are on a sports team or in, in working at a, at a place that's more aligned with the world than it is to God. But when, on Wednesday night, you get to come here and you get to be encouraged and we get to look at Jesus' words, remember Jesus' words together and build each other up. You're not alone. Period. So, I've got almost no time to give you all seven F words. So get your fingers limbered up and your pens ready. We're gonna go machine gun Kelly here through seven F words. Ready? Here we go. The first is you need to remember who your father is. You don't belong to the world. They don't own you. Stop trying to blend in. Embrace the fact that spiritually you look like your heavenly father. The next F word is fights. Don't go looking for fights. Don't be one of those Christians. Decide now that you'll be bold for Jesus when your hour comes up. Don't be, a surpri don't be surprised if a fight comes looking for you. Remember, you're not a golden retriever. But don't go looking for fights. Don't be a combative person. Jesus was not a combative person. The next is face. Face opposition with joy. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5 that if we're persecuted for Jesus' sake, not because of our own stupidity, but if we're persecuted because we're following Jesus, we're blessed. We're in the category of being blessed. Remember that. The next is fall. Fall on Jesus. Fall on God for strength. God walks, in, God walks with you to every class, to every practice, to every work shift, and to every party. God is with you. Rely on him for strength. Abide in him. He's the vine. The next one is family. Hey, embrace the family of God. You're here tonight. Will you help me with, do two things? Will you help me protect the unity and protect the love that we have here at Refuel? Will you help me do that? Because it's, an it's a special thing that's happening here. But Satan would like nothing better than to undermine our unity, to divide us, and to put seeds of hate and unlovingness, if that's a word, in our hearts. Will you help me with that? This is a place right now where people can refuel when they live in a spiritually empty world. Let's keep it that way. The next is far. Love, love those who are far from God. Jesus loved people of the world so much that he died for them. And what did he make you? He made you an ambassador of his love and his gospel. Why are people so mean? Why are people so salty? It's because hurt people hurt people. Our job isn't to hurt them back. Our job is to introduce them to the healer. So who's close to you and far from God that God is calling you to reach? And then the final one is faith. Reach out in faith to Jesus and trust him for eternal life. Remember, maybe, maybe you've run into some Christians who are jerks. But that doesn't change the fact that you're responsible for your sin against God. And that only by trusting in Jesus can you be given new life. Is that you tonight? You've been putting it off. Trust in Jesus tonight and leave with new life. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.